0: Hello everyone and welcome to London's Prince. This is episode 5. I cannot believe I am already in the 5th episode. Uh, so, I am the author of London's Prince and I have decided to compile both um somewhat of a informal version of an audiobook along with a podcast to discuss the chapters that are in my book and to kind of get dig deeper and dig further into the topics and why I decided to chose and what inspired me to write about those topics and today in particular is a near and dear topic for me um, especially because of healing and grieving is such an interesting process and the healing aspect of it um, can be very complex I feel like in the society that we live in today, a lot of people are taught to conceal as opposed to learn how to cope with grieving. And as I was driving today into work in the office, I had really put something into context as I was thinking about, you know, uh, every form of an emotion is a form of energy. And when we are feeling you know, negative energy or for if we're grieving or going through that process, it is so important for us to find something to channel that energy into. We need to exert it. We have to get rid of it because if not, we will hold on to it and we'll be doing a disservice to our bodies. So in this podcast, particularly today, I'm going to go into chapters healing and the second chapter, cope versus conceal. So I am going to read directly from the chapters, and I'm going to discuss uh, specifically what I was thinking about before I wrote those chapters. And I actually had interviewed a person who is near and dear to me, Um, and she actually was one of the people that helped me during my grieving process. This wasn't the grieving of my son. This was actually the grieving of my divorce. I needed to find an outlet. I was drinking wine way too much. Um, I was engaging in behaviors that were very addictive behaviors, but but were not helping me get to where I needed to go and where I wanted to be or where I saw myself. And to get rid of those negative behaviors or those addictive behaviors that were not healthy for me, I decided to focus on my body and the physical aspect of myself to where I knew that I could control. So I met a lady named Selena McCabe, who is a fitness instructor at both the YWCA and in Collegeville at Cycle Zone where I challenged myself enough to even take boxing, which that's something that I actually grew to love and really want to um, start getting more into. Um, I seen my body change and my mental aspect change drastically. I challenged my body physically, but I was also teaching myself to be more disciplined and mentally I pushed myself. It really took me to realize that I was always strong when I was pushed up against the wall or trauma hit, but I always wonder what if I use that strength for something positive? What if I channeled my own inner strength in the times that I needed instead of when I was in dire need or in the fight or flight mode? And she helped me do that. So I'm going to go into these chapters. I will read directly from the chapters and I will go into my interview with Selena McCabe. Healing. Time does not heal wounds. It changes your perspective. What occurred is an imprint. It does not determine who you are, but will be a factor in who you become. Healing has no sense of time. And every day is a day of forgiveness and rebirth. An opportunity to see your past through today's eyes and the ability to foresight a better future. Healing, when I wrote that, it was very, very deep for me because honestly, when you lose someone and when I had lost my son, it was like, most people didn't know what to say, but a lot of the comments were, time will heal wounds. You'll understand everything happens for a reason. You'll understand it. Those are the worst things to say to someone who's grieving at the time. But I do understand that, you know, a lot of times people really don't know what to say. So when I was writing this, and this was as time had progressed, I realized that time did not diminish or make less of or even really, uh, let's say, it really didn't soothe the pain that I had went through. However, as time progressed, my perspective of the overall trauma changed. It gave me a better sense of why things had occurred. And it's just not about just, not just about my son. Um, I mean, it was about my divorce, my relationship with my parents. Um, it just gave me a broader perspective. I can use this as an example, cause I think a lot of people can, this will resonate with a lot of people, but my relationship with my mom, uh, very traumatic. Some of the decisions that my mom had chose, I was very disappointed with her. But as I became an adult and had my own child and kind of... Was humbled because I experienced similar situations that she was in. I respected her for the decisions that she made because she was doing all that she could with what she knew how. Did I choose to go down the same path? Absolutely not. Because when you know better, you do better. But I respected her. And in that healing process or with time progressing, it made me change my perspective and understanding that there truly, really is no right or wrong. People are only acting or behaving out of their ability um, at that moment, at their level of understanding. In reference to my son and him, his passing, I had to get past the, it wasn't my fault, the guilt, um, the carrying the burden of the whole situation... Um, Just learning to let go and understand that it was my past, that it did not define me and that it would never change the love that I had for my son. And as I always say, there's a cord beyond the cord, but love is an emotion that I can honestly tell you that will surpass the physical realm of this life. And I know it because now having the son that I have and having London, my love goes beyond the dimension of this earth. And I know that all the emotions that I feel for my son, it will just never surpass. And so healing has changed my perspective. It literally gave me time to look at the bigger picture, that everything does happen for a reason. And the reason at the time, I don't understand. But now I do know that I was chosen to be a voice for women. That I was chosen to lead women and guide them and be a voice and an advocate for women of fetal loss. It's not what happened to me, but what I can channel it into. And I use that strength, that resilience to create London's Prince, to create the book and to create this podcast and to continue to inspire other women and to find and remind women of their own purposes. So that's where healing had came from. And I am now going to go into cope versus conceal. Cope versus conceal. The doctors explained to me the importance of going through the birthing process. London was born vaginally, Micah born via emergency C-section. I wanted to go through this process with the least pain experienced possible. I wanted to feel and see absolutely nothing. I am now grateful for the experience because they taught me the importance of facing my fears. Going through the experience instead of avoiding it began the healing process. It is important for you to feel everything to feel my pain and process it gave me a broader perspective of my circumstances. I was able to embrace the light and darkness of death. In my family, we are not taught to cope, rather we are taught to conceal. Emotions are concealed through weed, alcohol, and other street drugs. Fuck whoever told you I was the weakest woman they know. My mind was defined as a woman consumed with sadness. I was angry, envious, and disappointed with everyone, including God. I even tried to distract myself and the problem still arose. I had to face death head on like a car crash. I had no clue if I would make it out alive. I'm still here. So cope versus conceal. Um, this is a really, really deep um, chapter. And prior to, before even having my son and losing my son um, and going through that grieving process, my family has experienced so much, so much loss. And um, I remember being eleven and finding my uncle dead, and that was the first time that um, I started to go to very frequent funerals. Uh, My uncle had passed away from an asthma attack and that was my first funeral. Um, I felt so, so uh, obligated to, or so I carried so much of uh, heaviness because I felt like if I had reacted sooner that he would have still been alive. That is not the case, obviously. And then after him passing, months later, uh, it was my aunt who passed away with a brain tumor. Then following more months, my uncle, my grandfather passed away. So here my grandmother lost two of her children and then her husband all within the same year. Um, All people that, you know... We're very near and dear to her. I mean, your children and then your husband. Those are very the very things that we as women tend to define ourselves by is our children and our husband. Those are people that we serve, you know. We we're a wife, we are a mother, those are what we define ourselves by. And so I recall going to a funeral and it's traditional, you know, you go to your traditional black funerals, um and They have the services afterwards and, you know, the family gets together, they have their food and they talk, they talk about the good times. They talk about, you know, the relationship with the person, just really good vibes. And one thing that I noticed about my family, um, and this may be with most families, but, um, we were... We would teach or tell the person that's grieving, hey, here, have a drink. Or hey, let's step away and let's go smoke some weed to calm your nerves, to chill you a little bit. And although those things are good in the moment, what are we really teaching the person that's grieving? Because when you're not there, and when they're by themselves and they have to find a way to ease the emo- those very emotions. What are they going to turn to? All that they've known. Whether it's the liquor bottle. Or the, whether it's the weed. Whether it's the pills. Whether it's the drugs. Whatever it is. And those being utilized every time that you feel a sense of negativity or you're feeling down, that truly can be a spiraling, just basically it's a suicide. And then at some point it's like, you know, you never really sat down to really feel your emotions. Never took the chance to even express them. So what are we doing? We are teaching people to conceal their pain. What about the women that we see on Instagram? Like, I see this very frequently. To be honest with you, I have to unfollow some people because it's becoming so um, societal. Like, it's really being like accepted. Just seeing all these women with the same body twerking on Instagram showing their bodies inappropriately, don't get me wrong. There's there's a level of tastiness and there's a level of classiness and then there's a level of ratchet. And I don't want to call it ratchet, but to be honest with you, when I see it from a spiritual standpoint, they're kind of asking for help. Women are being taught to conceal The very pain that they feel within themselves. So instead of actually going deep in and actually taking the time to do some healing, what they do is they try to cover it up. I'm going to fix my body. I'm going to wear the makeup. I'm going to do my hair. I'm going to put my clothes on and I'm going to put everything to cover up the actual pain that I'm feeling. I'm going to bury it. I'm not going to deal with it today, but I'm going to bury it. We need to learn how to feel our emotions because only through that do we tap into and understand how we need to process them and get rid of them, to not hold on to them, to not attach to them because we're only doing ourselves damage and that makes the healing process require more time. The longer that you conceal, the longer that you utilize something in order to cope, the longer your healing process is. The only way that you can change your perspective about any trauma that has occurred is by having a clear mind. You have to be consciously ready to understand your emotions, think out the process, and figure out what works for you to help you cope with whatever trauma you're dealing with. This was very interesting to me because I've done it all. I've done the makeup, I've done the hair, I've done ways, the clothes. I would you know, get all these degrees. I would do all these different things because in a way it was me shouting, someone look at me because I want you to see me. It's, it's great to have all those things But those things do not define who you are. And if you are constantly saying, I'm a graduate of this school and I'm this and I work in clinical research and I do this and I do that. You don't you haven't tapped into who you truly are. You're none of those things. So take the time today to really think about what is your self-care that you utilize When you're feeling down or going through some form of grief, are you coping with it or are you concealing it? In this interview that I go through with with Miss Selena, we discuss self-love and the importance of it. I decided to interview her because she is a superhero, a wonder woman that goes undetected most superheroes that I know real life superheroes they're not their names not on Instagram they don't have a million followers they don't have a huge parade or they don't have a television show they don't have all these big things they have the hearts of so many people that they have touched that go unrecognized I met Selena in 2016 around the time of my divorce and at that time I was so hesitant to attend a workout class because I was extremely out of shape and in my grieving process I held on to the weight um, of my pregnancy for at least three to four years. And I went into her class for the first time and felt this automatic sense of like connection. There was something beyond the physical aspect of working out as she had challenged me and the class, both physically and mentally. Everyone on London's Prince, all you listeners, I would love to welcome Selena.
1: hi can you hear me yes i can okay
0: <laughs> i've never had this much <laughs> issues trying to get these situated
1: that uh, happens that's technology yeah i know
0: um so i hope you're all settled and um situated how was your uh evening as far as your workout class oh
1: it's good we did boxing in trx there were about eight oh. of us so it was good Oh, okay. And you're doing that on the Mondays now? No. Tonight was just because the past, like, last Monday, there was a Halloween parade. Or excuse me, last Wednesday, there was a Halloween parade. This Wednesday is Halloween. And the next Wednesday, I'll be away for business. okay. So I figured, let me just offer them a day, because three weeks is a long time. Right, right.
0: So. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So I don't want to hold you up. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> oh, it was a long day for you. Okay. Um, from the beginning okay. and okay. Then from there. All right. So, uh, first off, I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners and tell them
1: just a little bit about yourself, both professionally and personally. Sure. Um, my name is Selena McCabe, and I'm 46 years old, born and raised in Philadelphia. Uh, got into fitness through my own personal journey about 20 years ago, when I found myself overweight, 64 pounds overweight, on a five foot two frame is is a lot of weight to be hauling around. And um, just, you know, found myself struggling like every other person, and finally got control of where I wanted to go physically. Um, And that led me into fitness. Then after I got myself into control, I wanted to share that with other people who also felt maybe a little apprehensive about getting themselves back into a gym or back into a class. So I got certified to teach fitness. And um, to be honest with you, it ties in nicely to my office career, which uh, is human resources, uh, specifically in the learning and development component where I coach professionals on how to be better how to better assert themselves or how to you know take control of their careers and and really grow where they want to grow and for me the two complement each other hand in hand because you need to have a strong mind a strong sense of who you are before you can help other people so um I I think that that describes me pretty well personally and professionally um you know just being a a a real person that has the same obligations as we all do right we have family we have work we have struggles emotions uh both good and bad right so uh tying it all together and just making me a a good human is how I try to live my life right
0: and so I know it from experience attending your workout classes that self-love is a very big key part of um, your uh, exercise classes. And I wanted to know, why do you feel self-care and exercise is important in terms of self-love?
1: You know, it's it's really about a person needing to feel confident and feeling valued um if you don't possess those feelings you tend to get down on yourself and you tend to um you know maybe see yourself in a different way that's not truly realistic to who you are um we we as women spe- especially right we take care right. of families children you know first and foremost but the the burdens that we carry sometimes Don't allow us naturally to feel good about taking time out to do for ourselves. Well, when you keep going and going and pushing and pushing for everybody else and you put yourself last, you struggle, right? Um, You know, through personal experience, I find myself uh, not being the best partner, not being the best mother, not being the best anything, if I'm not taking time out for myself. My mental state is is important because if I'm not mentally clear and focused, I'm gonna be not any help or benefit to anybody else.
0: I agree. I agree. And I address that all the time. It's like it's so important for us to pour into our cup and you know, a lot of women that come before us, they were taught the complete opposite. Like you're supposed to care for everyone else before, you know, yeah. You You know, So I
1: I, I agree with that statement wholeheartedly. I argue with my mother and my grandmother all the time. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: and it's like and they just don't get it
0: but I'm glad that we got to a point or we're getting to a point where we're realizing that we have a sense of purpose and um it's important for us to breathe into ourselves as much as we breathe dreams and and um love into everyone else yeah and not feel guilty about it and not feel guilty key thing yep so many people like myself um, have found exercising as an outlet for dealing with trauma or any type of negativity. So how does this help and provide an example from you in your personal life?
1: Um, I was raised for the most part by a single mother who worked every day to keep me and my brothers fed, clothed and out of trouble. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's really about seeing where you were as a person and how you're growing into somebody that you want to be, um, not necessarily the person that you're choosing to be, because um, I think you evolve into that person through right. experiences. Mm-hmm. And you know, growing up for me was was not always um, idealistic, as, as many children might you know, have family. I I currently am married almost 26 years and I have two boys that are my heart and soul. Um, I hope that their childhood and their upbringing is better than mine was. I was exposed to domestic violence. Um, I was exposed to, um, you know, a, a, a mother that did her very best all the time, but worked herself to to a state of uh you know less importance and through Mm -hmm. her struggles um and and now as as an adult i can appreciate that but through her struggles i think i've been able to be more open to self-love and that's why i project and that's why i promote it constantly for everybody that i come in contact with Um, because exercise is truly an outlet it relieves stress it builds confidence and hopefully it gives people a sense of grounding and foundation for Mm -hmm. a journey that they can root themselves into and really push forward so that they can evolve into that person that they're choosing to be whether they know it or not today
0: exactly 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 so as a mother and i have this feeling like you're living in your purpose personally (laughs) um, how do you manage to find time for your self-care
1: well you know my boys are very active they know that me personally i don't know how to relax i don't know how to (laughs) how to settle down um Some women, they like to go for massages and get their nails done. And and please don't get me wrong. I enjoy all of that too. But if I have a choice, my choice is going to be to go work out. Because Mm -hmm. I feel like the physical exertion and, and pushing myself and the strength and the endorphins that kick in from, you know, picking up weights or punching a bag if it's boxing or just really the physical a sense of fatigue is so much more gratifying to me that the time then that I interact with my children they know that mom is strong they know that mom is taking care of herself so that she can be better for them and they see that and they use it as an example they're both right. very active in their own sports. Um, academically, I'm blessed. I have two very smart boys, just as you have a smart little guy, too. Um, you know, I think that they see us as as heroes, hopefully in their own eyes, um, the sacrifices that we make. And I think through all of that, we're able to better um, provide. And, I, you know, I, I think that they, they respect it.
0: I I agree. And then being a woman um, and having the boys come to the class, and I know you bring your son to classes sometimes, and um, I've been able to bring Micah, thank God, to you you because um, and with Micah being able to see me and doing boxing and doing certain activities that he's never seen other women in his family engage in, um, he finds a sense of pride with it being his mom. Yeah. Um, and so that pushes me more because it's like that is a form of him seeing my mom loves herself enough to, to work out. Yeah. So, and that means she must obviously love me Absolutely. because she wants to be here
1: for me. Absolutely. Yeah. The other piece of that, Kiana, is, you know, it, it helps him understand setting goals. Um, right. You know, actually aspiring to be better, whether it's, in school, um, whether it's in in the workplace, when they get older and they, uh, you know, establish employment, you know, exercise truly is a foundation for for setting goals in my in my opinion. Um, and setting can, discipline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, and setting those self expectations higher than maybe a person would who doesn't exercise because they don't have those. Uh, Aspirations to be better.
0: Right. I agree. I completely agree. And I think that's the mental aspect that I took from your class. And it was more so the fact that um, you pushed me in ways where it was like, I realized that it was more mental than the physical. Yep. And then I started to realize that I can incorporate the lessons that I was learning in the classes into my everyday life so when I started to face challenges or when things started to hurt I just knew I had to push through it yeah and um and to acknowledge the fact that pain was temporary and that the gains after the pain were always um noticeable (laughs)
1: listen it's it's you know I always like to describe people when they look at themselves you're you're just an unfinished product right you are like a butterfly a caterpillar right you, you grow these wings and you're off flying that that's an analogy that many people use but if you truly look at yourself as an untapped piece of art that is growing more beautiful every day and the way that that beauty is going to evolve is through the chiseling that occurs um you know and that means going beneath the surface and and sometimes allowing that surface to get deeper right Uh, it's it's really if you think about it and visualize it it gets pretty deep and that's the way we have to see ourselves i agree now what do
0: you think are your biggest challenges you faced in your experience with motherhood
1: Well, I would say there's not a book for it, number one. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, children are very different. What works for one parent doesn't always work for another. Um, You know, being that my kids are growing up now, I I think that it gets harder to communicate with them um, on their level, right, because they get to an age, and, and Micah still has many years yet, but... Yeah, believe me it comes one day and it like punches you in the gut because <laughs> then they think they know everything right and they don't need you anymore and it hurts um so I would say the biggest challenge is learning how to cater your communication style mm-hmm. to relate to them um being a great listener constantly where sometimes we don't always have the patience to listen to their imaginative conversations. And, and I, I go through that. Uh, most recently tonight, my youngest has a school project. So we're getting through some of the stuff and he starts busting out with, well, what if we did this? And what if we did that? And I'm like, all right, we just need to focus and let's concentrate on the job at hand. And after I say that, I sometimes feel guilty because it's like, it's his little brain it's his little project he should be having these discussions and he should be having these opinions right right. and I think as a parent we sometimes um, don't give our children enough credit I agree <laughs> for, for, for having opinions and thoughts and it, it, it does it, it really it, it's hurtful when you sit back and you think wow I cut them off or wow I didn't really give them an opportunity to explain at least for me personally so I've experienced that yeah and just-
0: just respecting that they process things differently and they go about things differently and it's like you know how like and you should know this working in A H- um, hr it's like you know how the old school people that's been on the job for like 20 years they've been doing the job a certain way and then a new employee comes on and they're very innovative they have like this different spark for things and they can get things done in a different manner but quickly more efficient and the person that's been on the job long is like, well, I've been doing it this way. I'm doing it the right way because I've been doing it for so long. Right. But they might have this, you know, new idea or new perspective for you if we just sit down and take the opportunity to listen. But we're so stuck in our ways as adults because it's like, I'm the more
1: seasoned person. That's correct. <laughs> I know that. Yeah, I right. know that. And I try, you know, in the workplace, I know that I work even extra hard because I'm very respectful of all the multiple generations that we have and, and the diversity that kind of carries over from one to the other. It's, I wish I could say I'm not double standard, but when it comes to parenting, I I do, I struggle with that a lot just because, and I think it's because I want what's best for my kids. I want them to have something that's perfect. And Mm -hmm. I struggle with the sense of what's my perfect isn't always right. You know, what I think should be perfect because of my childhood, um, isn't going to make me a better parent. It, it's not going to make my sons better in any way. It's just, it's my own emotion.
0: That right. Right. And in us inflicting our realities and our experiences on them, yeah. because, I'm a firm believer that the things that we were kind of denied of as a child, we kind of desire that as adults and make that important. Like, it's a key aspect of something that we're looking for when we become adults. And I feel like sometimes we inflict that on our children and out of fear of being like our parents. And when in all reality, sometimes we do get caught up doing similar things sometimes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And it's funny, right? Because... You know, my parents divorced at an early age for me, so I didn't know anything but divorce. And then it was when my mom and dad found their partners. Um, you know, my mom's partner, unfortunately, was just not a good person and he was just not a, a good human. Um, but my stepmother is a great lady. And mm-hmm. You know she embraced everything so it was always neat because my dad and i might butt heads and disagree on things you know typical child parent relationship and she was right. always like a voice of reasoning in some instances not only for me but for my dad <laughs> um, you know when we would butt heads she'd be like is it really that big of a deal you're both just stubborn just knock it off right and it, it, it's just it's interesting now that The shoe is kind of on the other foot for me. (laughs) We're on the Mm parent, and uh, yeah, just it's wild how how it's like a full circle.
0: It definitely is. What life changing event it endured, and what helped you to cope or heal?
1: Um, Seeing my mom physically get abused um, was a really hard. Um, experience for me especially because it was during my childhood right? Um, and not having her feel confident that she could make a decision that would not have made her less and I think it was because she was mentally abused by this man Um, you know seeing that as a growing adolescent i think that kind of molded my level of independence and where i wanted to be in life and how i would never not stand up for myself um, and how i would always make it a point to inspire other women and even men on how to be strong how to deal with things in a way that would allow them to feel better um, based on how bad they used to feel, like how you can take a bad situation and truly learn from it, but even go a little bit deeper and, and bring other people along with you. Um, you know, I felt like my, my childhood was kind of robbed a little bit just because I had to grow mm-hmm. up faster. I seen a lot more uh, situations that that children just shouldn't see. And, you know, I, I had choices to make as a teenager. If I go down this path, what does that mean? If I go down this path, what does it mean? And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud and lucky to say that unbeknownst to me, I, I found the right path. Um, it wasn't as direct as others you know I'd like to say that my life was filled with experiences that allowed me to absorb mold and grow right and the way I cope with things now is I, I get I have a pretty good intuition and a, and a good connectivity with people Um, I can read people pretty well Uh, I'm loyal and I think that sense of loyalty is heightened by my childhood so the way I cope with my own feelings is I never settle for the problem I look for the solution and I look to focus on what it is that I can control about the situation yes that's amazing because there, there's no sense in, in sitting there having a pity party or you know saying I can't do this oh there's just no way out because that's what my mom used to think and yes. and, and, and I need <laughs> you know people to realize that there always is a solution you just gotta find it but sometimes it's not as easy as somebody telling you that there's a solution available because you have to see it for yourself
0: Yes, the solution usually comes when you silence Mm -hmm. yourself. Like you have to tap into, and then the problem is, is that we seek outside, like outside of ourselves, for the solution. So we'll ask a million people, and then you'll end up having a million opinions clouding your solution to your actual problem. And I completely agree with that. Domestic violence survivors, primarily most of them, it wasn't even the physical aspect. They became a caged um like they were a prisoner within their own mind and it was continuing or staying or remaining in that victim um phase of just you know believing that i'm not going to have any money the fear of what was on the other end um a lot of women were concerned concerned about their finances the kids where they were going to live and to me, when I got to the point of when I said, screw this, I got to get out of here. Um, I was willing to let go of everything. And you have to be at that point to to gain your sanity. And you've you
1: got to know that here, here's the thing. Everybody always says you, you have to have courage. And I like people to understand that we all have courage. We don't know how to use it. And Mm -hmm. if you think about it, we are all born with emotions. Some people tend to use certain emotions more so than others. But you do possess all of the emotions. It's just some of us don't know how to use them. Courage is one of them. Um, You know, love is one of them. Uh, You know, you also have self-awareness. You also have the way that you see yourself and all of these emotions and, and levels of intrinsic and extrinsic and and systemic values that we possess as humans. It's like exercise. You, you have to practice. If you practice being courageous, you will get better at it. If you, if you, that's fun. Yeah. If you you practice being self-aware, you then start to believe it and you start to see more clearly where you may lack or overpower and, and, mm-hmm. and that's where I think that we as, as women especially always getting you know blamed for oh you're over emotional or oh you're so emotional get over it no bullshit yeah. excuse me that's some bullshit right there because Mm -hmm. we are living creatures and emotions are not bad they and and if you express them more so than another person that sometimes is the best thing ever because through that you are teaching them how to be human yes yes there's true
0: strength i you know what i used to wish away the fact that I was such an empath and my friends used to always tell me you're too sensitive you're too this you're too that you're too emotional and I mean I could feel like I remember being um, at the beach one day there was a family that was there one of the family members ended up being or drowning I believe and I don't know if they lived or not and so I was like, so like energetically just drained for the rest of the day. And I was like, so sad. My friends were like, oh, you're just too attached to it. I'm like, are you kidding me? I could feel h- how they feel. And there's just like, oh, you're just so emotional. And I'm just like, I used to wish that away. I used to wish that I wasn't so emotional. And to be honest with you, I'm so proud of myself because I am so expressive of it. And um, it there t- it takes a lot of strength to, um, express your emotic- yeah. emotions
1: especially in the society that we live absolutely. in absolutely and i'm going to tell you right now it, it's it's the word emotional is overused some I, mm. I like to say this some of us are more connected than others okay yeah and yes. and i think that it's it's those that are disconnected that tend to judge yes. us that are more connected yes.
0: i agree i know from so this is what i I, when you were talking about being courageous and for me coping the exercise exercising and taking your class was a coping mechanism for me however one thing that i identified was why is it that i could find my strength when my back was up against the wall. But where was it when I chose to be strong? How far would I be if I would choose to be strong for myself? And that's what I identified with taking your class. Um, It was like, you've been through a lot of traumatic things and you had to be strong and everybody considers you a strong person. But where would you be if you chose to be
1: strong for yourself and to bring yourself in a positive light with your strength? You know, and, and that's where I'm still living my life, right? You know, I could have chose that bad path, and right. and I didn't. And it's because I overuse my courage. <laughs> um, you know, I everybody that knows me from childhood and even in the workplace will tell you I am one of the most courageous people because I fear nothing except for rodents, but that doesn't count. Um, <laughs> you know, when it comes to hard situations, I like to jump in head headfirst. Um, I like to really weigh the options because I've been up against the wall and it wasn't just me. I was so young and I was emotionally underdeveloped.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I think yes. that
1: courage, I had no choice but to, to let it out and, and to let it grow faster than maybe it should have. And growing as an adult, I rely on it a lot, not only for myself, but to share it with people that sometimes need it. Um, right. Even if it's just listening to someone or just, you know, sensing that, wow, this person's struggling. What can I do to help them get through it? And maybe it's just that ear to hear them, you know, talk about their situation and use my own past behaviors and past, uh, you know, opportunities to really come to them better as as a listener to help them gravitate towards that solution that they will find in themselves.
0: I agree. I agree. Um, So I have two more questions for you before we conclude. And so for one, the first one would be, what would you say to your 18 year old self today? (laughs) Um,
1: That's a hard question. That's why you're asking (laughs) it, right? But, (laughs) but, uh, my 18 year old self I would say life isn't what you expect it to be. So make sure that where you see yourself in 10 years, you have memorable experiences that are not going to be ones that you regret. So in short, I would say live life without regret okay and Mm -hmm. but do it memorably and what I mean by that is you know I growing up faster than I needed to because of my my childhood situation um I was already out of the house at 18 I didn't start college like everybody else um I had to start I had to start a little bit later and at 18 I probably didn't know where I was going to be I was just living life and you know to go back to that now I think it would have been like it's going to be okay but you got to live life and you just kind of have to take it and and not have any regrets and don't forget who you are because who you are today is not who you're going to be
0: right What would be your best or final advice for women in reference to
1: self-love? Don't feel guilty about it. Embrace it. Even if it's just five minutes where you look at yourself in the mirror and you see all the goodness that comes from you physically. We tend to nitpick at ourselves and find the flaws, whether it's I don't like my hair, I don't like my eyes, my skin. We beat ourselves up too much, too too much. And, you know, we we need to love ourselves more. And it has nothing to do with, with, you know, being conceited. I hate when people say that. It's really about appreciating who you are spiritually, um, emotionally, Physically, so I'm going to say any, any woman that, that listens to this podcast, that they look in the mirror for five minutes a day and they appreciate all of the beautiful things physically that they have with themselves. Then take it to 10 minutes a day, then start appreciating that mental clarity because it's going to require you to focus hard and to feel more comfortable talking about the good and the beauty that you possess. Once you can get through that 10 minutes, the guilt of taking care of yourself starts to lessen. And then when you go, whether it's to the gym, to get your nails done, to get a massage, you will feel less guilty and feel much more valuable to everyone else around you And you'll feel appreciated, most importantly, by yourself, to yourself.
0: That's awesome. That's really awesome. So to conclude the podcast, I would love for you to let the listeners know where can they find you as far as your classes. And just to promote where you normally have your workout classes, I'm well aware (laughs) because I'm there Tuesdays Thursdays. (laughs) I need to get back to boxing but if you just want to let them know where you are and um you know just tell them a little bit about um what you guys offer as far as cycle zone and the free first sure. class.
1: So um my is crazy but most of the time it's stable and it's Tuesday and Thursday nights at 7:30 p.m. I can be found teaching cardio fusion at the Spring Valley Y located in Royersford, Pennsylvania. And then 5:30 um, a.m. on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, as well as Wednesday evenings at 7:30 p.m., I can be found at a wonderful little studio in Collegeville, Pennsylvania, called Cycle Zone, where I teach strength training as well as boxing and TRX, and all of these fitness classes. Uh, you want to come to the Y, you can come as my guest. You want to come to Cycle Zone, your first class is free. But if there's ever anybody who listens to this and they want more, you can always email me. Um, you know, my email address is mccabmm at gmail.com, even if it's just to be an ear to listen to you.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much. You're Selena. welcome. I love you, girl. Um, I think I, this is great. I know. I love you, too. And I just feel like, you know, um, our biggest superheroes truly are just like the movies. Um, they're, a lot of times they go not very noticed. Um, a lot of people don't know who they are sometimes. Um, but they make such a big contribution to so many people and they touch so many people's lives. And I appreciate you for everything you've done for me and, and Mike as well, well. Keep
1: sharing what you do because you're, you're pretty damn good in my book too, sister. <laughs> Thank All you. Right.
0: All right. This concludes the podcast. Thank you. So you're enough. welcome. Have a great one. Bye. You too.